Father, we would ask that you would be our vision. It, uh, it's, it just seems so weird for me to pray that um, because I, uh, I like to have me in the, in the center of my vision. And I struggle, Lord, as, as my friends do with, with you being my sovereign and being my king and being my Lord. And so meet us today in our struggle and in the conflict of so much uh, error in my life. Bring the truth to that and cover us with it today. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak and, and be loosed and do a work in all of our lives this morning. We thank you so much for this time of year and we thank you so much for 2009 and we look forward to what you're going to do in this next year. I pray that we would be people that would walk the path of faith and not fear. Bless this teaching of your word this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters. I, uh, I've had a, a great uh, couple days. I, uh, I beat Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Xbox, beat it, loved it, uh, that's been my holiday, no, come on now, um, it's, it's, uh, it's been good, we, I've, had a, I've had a very interesting, great time, I, for, for those of you that don't uh, know, I, I live in a house full of ladies, I have four daughters, and, and uh, obviously my wife, and uh, we have a female dog too, and um, we enjoy uh, the holidays, but it's really, a, it's just a girl's house, and I'm just tagging along, and um, it's good, and, uh, and so we have had some great food, and uh, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, when uh, I get to this time of year, I get a little bit contemplative, and I get a little bit just wondering where the 2009 went. Are you like that at all? And looking forward now to this next year, I guess maybe this happens a lot, happens a lot faster when you get older, you know, if time goes fast. And, and so I, um, actually this isn't an 11-point sermon, just to, just, just to make sure that you know that. I'm going to hit real specifically on these last three questions, but I thought these would be questions, and I want you to know that I, I'd, like, I'd like it if you would maybe... Maybe there's a couple of questions here that you would say, man, I, I really need to answer that question. In light of just where I'm at spiritually at the end of 2009, in light of 2010 that's right upon us, these are some crucial questions I think that I just want you to know that I ask and I think we could all ask. And so let me just, let me just really quick give you these. And it, it, it's important for you to think of them, not necessarily in the shameful way, of going, wow, I, I don't do that, or I'm not behaving properly, as much as to say, wow, where, 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 where does that fit in my spiritual life? And, and to really consider the question for yourself. The first question that, um, that I have on the board here would be the question, are you moldable? Are you a learner? Can anybody tell you anything? When we get older, nobody can tell us anything. We think we know everything. The more older I get, though, I realize the opposite's true. I don't know anything anymore. When I was young, I knew everything. 
Are you moldable? Are you willing to learn? Am I willing to learn from my children? Am I willing to learn from uh, the people that maybe I don't like in my life? Am I willing to learn from the scripture? Am I moldable? Am I a learner? It's one of the questions my dad gave to me when I left the house. At 18 years old, I was going out to do the big thing, and my dad came right back to, as I was pulling out the car, he stops me, does this deal. And I stop, and I'm all excited to get out of the house, and I don't want any more of your, you know. And he rolls, you know, and tells me to roll the window down. And I look down, you know, look up at him. He looks down, and he says, uh, Joel, I just wanted to make sure you know, after all the instruction my dad gave, all, and we had a great relationship, but he was, like, massive instructor. He said, just remember, always be a learner. I just went, wow. <laughs> I didn't say wow then. I was like, yeah, whatever. You know? Are, you, are, are, are we moldable? Are you moldable? Second question. What is the pace of your life? Are you running so fast that you can't hear the Lord? One of the things I encouraged the staff... Uh, a couple of weeks ago was that, you know that our staff here at Midtown, you know it's entirely possible for us to have, sit down with our folks that are at, in, in, at Midtown and to turn off our iPhones. It's, it's really okay to do that. It's, it's okay that, you know, you, you, can, you can literally engage with someone without that little thing going ding and going, oh my gosh, email, you know. Oh my gosh, got a text, you know. No, don't, don't, don't send me nasty emails about technology. I'm, all, all I'm telling you is, is that I, I, I think it's wise for us to ask this question. Because in this day and age, I want you to know that everything's hyper busy. Everything's fast. It's at hyper speed fast. It doesn't allow us a lot of time to put down the phone, go walk in the rain and say, Lord, who are you? What do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say to me as the husband of my family or, my, or as a father? or as a single man, or as a single woman. What do you want to say? It doesn't, our lives are so frantic and crazy that it doesn't have a lot of time. What's the pace of your life? It's a good question to ask as you think about 2009 and then 2010. Third, are you pursuing peace in your relationships? Is there conflict in your life right now with something with a family member or friends that you're pursuing peace? You're the pursuer of peace because the Lord lives in your life. Are you pursuing peace? Are you pursuing peace with your wife, gentlemen? Does she know you? Are you pursuing peace with your husband, wife? Are you able to sit down and pursue peace together? It's a beautiful question. Are you able to be rebuked? That's a very tough one, isn't it? Is there anybody in your life... I call, them, I call them the COWs, C-O-W, it's an acronym. It stands for Council of Wisdom. Is there any Council of Wisdom in your life that rebukes you? I got my rebuke, uh, a couple of them. A couple weeks ago, I, Randy and I, Randy Drawn and I, were in our sanctuary on the golf course. And we were talking about life, and I... He asked me something, and, I went, and the question when he asked me, it was like, Oof, you don't need to go there. You ever had that? I don't want to go into that room. I don't want you knocking on that door. And I looked at him, and I said, you really want me to answer that? 
And he said, that's hard. That's going to be hard to do, isn't it? And I said, yes. And I answered, and I said, and after I was done, my answer that was coming out was so bad that I knew I needed rebuke. Do you follow? I, after I said it, he said, I, I actually said to him, I said, rebuke that. <laughs> Just, you know, kind of, oh. And he spoke into it beautifully as my friend. It was, it was just, it was so the Lord. The Lord used him so much that day. But that rebuke, you need to know, the Bible talks a lot about rebuke in Proverbs. It talks a lot about the Scripture rebuking us as people. That rebuke, what a, what a rebuke will do is it will help you to, it will stop you from going down the current path you're going on and allow you to walk a new and different path of the truth. It's a great question for us to ask. Is there anybody in your life that can rebuke you? Where are you serving? What role does the gospel play in your life? We ask that a lot around here, don't we? How about this? What role does money play in your life? Number eight, what is your theology of pain? Do you have a theology of pain? Do you know that the Bible talks a lot about suffering? That suffering is an actual traveling companion with every brother and sister in this life? It's not something that we have to take massive pains to avoid the suffering and try to avoid all the pain as much as the Lord gives us the strength to even walk those mountains? Do you have that kind of theology of suffering? What is your theology of suffering? Your theology of suffering will be tested once, once, a, once a massive, well, painful occurrence trans, transpires in your life. What will be your theology of pain? Will it be this? God, you've abandoned me? If you say, God, you've abandoned me, you're basically at that point articulating your theology of pain. The Bible has much to say about suffering and pain. What's ours? What's our theology? And then real quick, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to hit here. I probably won't get through with them all, but I want to ask you these last couple questions a little bit more in depth. And I don't want to spend a ton of time, but consider it. And this first one really hits me hard. And it's this. Do I, do you thirst for God? Jesus said it when he said, blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let me ask you something. Do you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul actually pants for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? You ever ask that question? Do you hunger and thirst for the Lord in your life? His presence? Do you want a drink of the Lord's presence? Some of us here probably have been experiencing deep spiritual dryness maybe in 2009. The Puritans used to call that, uh, this dryness, what they called it was God desertions the inner feeling of dehydration because we think that the Lord is absent. Maybe many of us are here today like that. But let me quickly say that 
his desertion of us is merely our perception of that for the reality is just as Jesus had promised which is this I will never leave you or forsake you so I have a message of hope for you here today if you're in a spiritual dry land the Lord hasn't left the Lord is with you the Lord is your deliverer he is your king he is your hope grab a hold do I thirst for God? David prayed this prayer in his spiritual desert. I love what he says when he says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. That's how we feel many times in our desertions. But when I ask you, do you thirst for God? Do you thirst for him to do a deep and unbelievable work in your life? Do you? It's a great, great question for us to consider. Secondly, a question that I love to really continue to ask myself a lot, which is this. Are you governed increasingly by God's word in your life? Let me ask you something today before you leave. What's your compass? You ever been asked that before? If life were a compass and you look down upon it and it has the needles that, that moves back and forth as you move, what's true north? What's the compass? We live in a world that tells us that our compass are our feelings or our compass are our fears. The scriptures talk to us about being the true north. Are we governed by God's truth as being our compass? This is an interesting thing to talk about. I wanted to share something with you that Dave hasn't had much of a chance to share with you, but it's one of the things that we, sh we, we have a, what's called a koinonia proclamation for our koinonia groups that are in community. And one of the pieces of the proclamation is 12 points that we've made, but one of the pieces of it is this. It's I thought it'd be important to read it to you. It says this, we are re-embracing God's truth, the Bible, as central to everything. And the reason why we say re-embracing is because there are many Christ followers who don't view the Bible as absolute truth. Much of that is because we live in such a relative and pluralistic society, and we believe that it is crucial that we re-embrace the Bible as our final source of truth. The Bible is our authority on all matters and is central to spiritual and communal formation. What does the Bible have to say about specific issues that you struggle with in your life? Young Pilgrim, think about the question I just asked. What does the Bible have to say about the things that you struggle with and deal with in your life? Are you interested? Am I? Do we want to submit to the authority of this word over all the aspects of our life, even our thought life, our dating life? Do we want to submit to what the Bible has to say about raising children, parents? Did you know that the Bible has to say much about that? 
Do we want to submit and hear the authority of what the Bible has to say about our marriages? About us men being an Ephesians 5 husband to love our wives as Christ loved the church? Are we ready to take the journey of finding out how Christ loved the church? Because that's how much I'm supposed to love my wife. We don't want to talk anymore, young ladies. I will be a very unpopular preacher today when I tell you that the Bible also talks about submitting to your husband. That's not a popular thing we like to talk about. But the Bible talks about it. (laughs) By the way, the Bible also talks about submitting to each other as brothers and sisters. It's a very beautiful, beautiful truth in the Scriptures. What does the Bible have to say about my suffering? What does the Bible have to say about my money? What does the Bible have to say about my time? Let me ask you a question real quick. I know a lot of questions today, purposely so. Do we ask others, are there others in your life that you walk up to and say, what does the Bible have to say about this issue? That issue may be for you. What does the Bible have to say about being struggling with being homosexual. Are you interested? If you're a Christ follower, this is one thing that we submit to. The Bible is our authority, our absolute sovereign, our power, the authority over us. We're underneath the authority. Are we ready to live lives like that? Very difficult, isn't it? It's definitely difficult for me. And then the last one, and I'll close on this. And you hear us talk about this a lot, but I'm sorry. It's just kind of my hot button. Are you deeply involved in what we would call spiritual community? Spiritual community is an entirely different kind of community than hanging around with your friends and having some beers on a Friday night and watching the ball game. Spiritual community deals in entirely different currency. The idea of spiritual community that the scriptures talk about is actually being in what we would call biblical fellowship. It is absolutely spiritual in nature and in fabric of our lives. We know each other because the freedom of the gospel allows us to know each other. But we help each other. In spiritual community, this letter that was written, and we're going to hear from this in Colossians later on uh, after the first of the year, but I wanted to give you a little precursor. Listen to this real quick. It's a beautiful piece of scripture. It's, it's Paul's treatment of holy living, and it comes from Colossians 3 that we'll be talking about shortly. But it says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 5, listen to this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now, it says, you must get rid of your, get rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. The point that I wanted to make, brothers and sisters, 
as I talk to you about community is a very simple one this morning. We can talk about it a lot, but it's this. The whole design of this whole thing was never meant for us to be and do this Christian life by ourselves. God gives us a very communal understanding. And in this communal understanding, in this spiritual community, I want you to understand something. When it says set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above, others are the ones that God uses to help me set my heart on things above because I naturally want to live a life that says set my heart on things below. Set my mind, gentlemen, on things above. I need my friends to help me set my mind Get your mindset on other things rather than yourself. That's spiritual community. Using spiritual resources to speak a spiritual truth so that I can be about a spiritual thing that God's doing. In spiritual community, others help me put things to death. Did you know that the greatest, one of the greatest things that my friends can do for me is kill things? It's so it's, it's, a, it's an ugly image, but I want you to know it's very real. It's very Pauline. He talks a lot about putting things to death. There's a lot of things in my life that need to be put to death, and Paul lists them right here. He nails it to the wall for me. And I need others to pick up their sword and come after that in my life. That's spiritual community, and it's beautiful. And it's not, oh, it's coming to me and, and just dogging on me and killing me and wasting me and chopping me up. It's probably a lot more surgical than all of us are used to, you know. But that's what others do. Others help me get rid of things. They help me get rid of. Others help me take off the old. Others help me put on the new. That's what spiritual community looks like. I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip today. I did, though, and still do think it's wise for me to answer a lot of these questions. And I hope in this week that you'll, you'll maybe take one, maybe you'll take two, and you'll say, I really need to answer that question. Before the Lord, I need to answer that question. This year, I'll close with this. This is going to be an interesting year for Midtown. I'm deeply looking forward to it. We have, we're still looking for a permanent, our home. We don't know if it's permanent or otherwise. We don't know where it's going to be. We need you to pray. We need you to pray and we need you to be with us as we pray about it. Because we believe something. That God's on the move in this city. He's on the move with us. His favor is on us. He's given us a mouthpiece to a very unique generation. Many of you are sitting right here right today. God's going to do a great thing this next year, and we don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to trust Him. We're excited about all the great and mighty things. And I just want you to know that we could talk about a new building, we could talk about a great offering, and we can talk about the money, and we can talk about all these things. But guess what? The center of it all is, the, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As we come together, we celebrate that Christ. The Christ in us the hope of glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for living in our temple. And Lord, um, we have, uh, today we've talked about a lot, we've asked a lot of questions, and one of the great things about today 
and is this, is that you're, you are the answer. <laughs> and so we thank you for being our answer. We thank you, God, for sending us your son to satisfy the Father's wrath. We thank you for delivering us by your death and resurrection from the penalty of sin. We thank you now that we can be called children of God, sons and daughters of a mighty king. Lord, please continue to be so merciful with us on this journey down here. It's difficult for us. And we need all of your grace and all of your strength. In your name, amen.